Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. What does that look like? What does it mean? How do we grow up spiritually? And it's interesting because I, I, I really believe that this is what God is really beginning to stir in the body of Christ. It seems as though every pastor that I talk to, it seems that this is where God is stirring the body of Christ to really get involved in. In fact, if somebody asked me beforehand, uh, before service tonight, they said, do you ever minister or teach on the subject of prophecy? And I said, well, you know, that's not necessarily my given forte or it's not something that I've really purposed to study. I can be general, but again, I've not really got into the nitty gritty. But, you know, when you begin to talk about that and in that conversation, what she said to me, she said, the time is so soon at hand at the return of the Lord. And really, I don't know if you can sense it or really can feel it in the air, if you will, but Jesus is coming very soon. The signs of the time are upon us. And I'm telling you, he is at the door waiting for God to say, go get my church, go get my family. And so again, in that respect, we've got to be ready. We've got to be prepared. And not just so that we're prepared for ourselves, but there are so many people that are going to hell. And if we don't step up and become the voice or to tell people about Jesus, they're going to hell and will be eternally separated from God. And again, I realize we get into our Christian bubble and it's so easy for us to say, well, praise the Lord, when church good. But there's all kinds of people that don't go to church, people that live right next door to us, people that uh, that we work with, and they're going to hell. And the time is so close at hand that if we don't step into the place of what God's called us to do or to be, there are a lot of people that are going to be lost. And so once again, I really believe this is a timely message and just, again, some things that I've seen and heard different ministers talk about within their own churches as well. Uh, I mentioned to you just a matter of a couple months ago, we went to Tulsa. I had a family reunion with my wife's family out there. And while we were there, the, the, the uh, national headquarters for the RMA, RMAI is out there. And uh, that's the Raymond Ministerial Association. And I met with uh, Doug Jones. He's the international um, director for RMAI. And as we were talking, I just asked him, I said, you know, what's... God been doing in your ministry as you've been ministering throughout, you know, churches because he's a he's a an instructor at the Bible college. He's also the director for uh, all the Raymond ministers around the world. But he also travels on the weekends and goes and ministers in churches. And so I asked him, I said, what has God really been stirring your heart about? And he said, well, he said, you know, I used to really minister strong in the area of healing. And he said, but one of the things that I've found is that it seems as though people have not been receiving like they used to. And he said, and I really began to question God about it. He said, because God, I know the pastors that are inviting me into their churches. And he says, I know that they're strong, solid pastors that teach along these lines. And so therefore, it's not a lack of teaching that the church is having. He said, so why is it that it seems as though there is a disconnect that they're not receiving from from you or receiving the promises of God, even though we're teaching it and we're believing it? And he said, God's response was, is there's lack of maturity. 
lack of spiritual maturity or the body of Christ is not stepping up and growing up spiritually. And once again, the body of Christ wants everything handed to them. But there's a place where the body of Christ must grow up and come into a position in a place of faith where we receive for ourselves, not just saying, well, you do the praying for me. You believe God for me. And therefore, I'll see my answer come to pass. He said, I'm seeing that there is a great deficiency in spiritual growth within the body of Christ. I thought, hmm, isn't that interesting? And then I mentioned to you just this past week, I went on a bike ride, uh, a motorcycle ride with some pastor friends. And one of the particular pastors that uh, <clears throat> I rode with, he pastors a church of, oh, about 4,000 member church. And, and uh, we roomed together one night. And as we were talking, um, I just said, you know, hey, what's going on in, in, in your ministry? What's, what's God doing? And he says, well, you know what? God's really shaking up some things. And he says, in fact, he said, in my staff, he said, uh, it might look a whole lot different by the end of this year than what it does right now. And I said, really? And he, he, they, they employ about 60 people at their ministry, you know, ministry staff. And I said, well, what's God doing? And he said, well, he said, God has just really challenged me to raise the standard of the moral code within our ministry. And he says, there's three things that God has challenged me with to raise the bar and raise the standard within the ministry and the people that we, we hire. And it was in regards to lifestyle. He said this. He said, number one, this is the criteria. He says, number one, is your lifestyle biblical? Are you living a life that lines up with the word of God? And he said, then the second question is this, when it comes to your life and your lifestyle and how you're living, you know, the Bible says this, he says, not all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. So it may be some one of those things where our lifestyle doesn't fit under, well, the Bible says, thus saith the Lord, you shall not do or shall not live this way or act this way. But is it profitable in the way in which you're living? Is it profiting your life or is it profiting those people that are around you? Are you living in such a way that is being a hindrance to somebody else? And then he said the third thing, if you remember Paul said this, he said concerning conduct, he said, is your conduct edifying or does it cause somebody else to stumble? And he says, in your life, he said, is your life causing those that are around you to stumble? And he says, these are three questions that I'm asking my staff. He said, because there is a standard that's being raised because people are going to hell. And we need a people that will step up, be spiritually mature and say, God, you can use me. You can use us. And we're going to lead people to have an intimate relationship with you. And once again, my whole point is this, is that it seems as though God is really raising the bar for us to become spiritually mature, to simply grow up, to finally come to a place of where God can use us, to where we're no longer spiritual babies. Have you ever, ever been around a baby? Your baby? Your wife just got up and left with your baby. Why? Because the baby's a baby. Makes noise. Baby's all about baby. Don't care that we're all here coming to church. Your baby just says, hey, I'm baby. I'm here. Right? <laughs> In fact, your baby has, has so little discretion that when it comes to him needing to go potty, he'd go potty sitting right there. Mm, right? He'd just do his thing regardless of anybody else. Why? Because he's a baby. But obviously, uh, you just kind of learn to, to roll with the punches with a baby because it's a baby. But man, if we had a 25-year-old sitting up on the front row with a diaper on, you'd be like, Whoa! Something's wrong with that, right? And so again, God wants us to begin to learn what it is to grow up spiritually. So if you will, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. 
and we'll begin in verse 7. Have we gotten off to a good start? <laughs> this is always real fun to get into. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. It says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So obviously there is a measure, and the word grace is God's empowerment to do what you can't do in and of yourself. So there is a gift of God's grace through Christ that enables you, empowers you to not stay where you're at. He goes on to say this in verse 8, therefore he says... When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. So notice, this grace, this empowerment, was to lead people from being captive. Not only spiritually, but naturally. And then in addition to that, he says he gave gifts unto men that would help assist people to become free in their life. To no longer live captive. In verse 9 it says, now this, he ascended. What does it mean? but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also, is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Now, verse 11, here's the gifts. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. Verse 12, what did he give these Gifts for, in verse 12, for the equipping or the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Let's just stop there for just a moment. Notice it says, till we all come into the unity of the faith. I find it interesting that the body of Christ has gotten into so much division and schism about what we believe. And we take stances or we take and draw lines in the sand and say, well, this is what I believe. And if you don't believe the way that I believe, then we're going to be uh, separated from you. Again, you see all kinds of segregation within the body of Christ. And God never intended it to be that way. Notice it says, till we all come into the unity of the faith. What's the unity of the faith? Jesus Christ. Him crucified, raised from the dead. So we might have some doctrinal differences, but the unity of the faith is believing in Jesus Christ. And it's a shame that we've not been able to grow to the place of where the Baptists, where the Pentecostal, where the Methodists, where whatever else has come together to become united in the faith and actually become a powerful force within a community. We've been all about dividing lines of what we believe, what you believe. Do we have a unity in the faith? Do we believe in Jesus Christ? Is that what really matters? If it is, then let's get busy about doing things to where we actually can get things done rather than talking about our differences. Let's talk about what we do believe in. Let's talk about what we can agree in. Let's uh, agree that there are people that are going to hell that need us to share the love of Christ so that they can go to heaven. Amen? Amen. All right, so it goes on to say in verse... Uh, 14, <clears throat> let's read verse 13, it says, Till we come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children 
tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speak the truth in love and may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. So notice what it says here. It talks about a number of different things. But as we see there in verse 11 and 12, it says that we would become perfected, as the King James says, or really what it's referring to is maturing or developing or maturing into the body of Christ that God has called us into. And then it says when we begin to mature, develop, begin to grow up spiritually, the Bible says that you actually begin to step into a place of ministry where you begin to be a doer. Meaning that God has an assignment for all of us. Isn't it a shame that so many people live this life and die and never knew what their assignment was? God says, enter in, thou good servant. Wasn't real faithful because you didn't know what your purpose was. But come on, I guess you can come in anyways. I want God to say good and faithful because I completed or was in the midst of fulfilling my assignment. He says, as we grow spiritually, we begin to step over and begin to fulfill what God has called us to do. And then it says that that call, that ministry, that purpose of what God has called us to do actually begins to grow and build the body of Christ. So in other words, as we grow spiritually... It is not the job of a pastor to build the numbers of the congregation. A pastor helps cast vision. But it's the body of Christ that begins to grow. And they begin to edify or build the church. Because they are doing the ministry that God has called them to do. As a result of them fulfilling their purpose. And actually beginning to grow spiritually. Right? Alright. Then it goes on to say this. That we are to, to, to again build the church. When do we actually build the church? The most successful way of building the church is when we've begun to grow. Or a little bit mature. In fact, let me ask it this way. Do you think that baby Christians can build the church? Well, they could build it to some degree. But what does a baby Christian or what does a baby look for? I mean, they're going to build it according to their own personal desires, right? In fact, if you you was to look at my son's room being four years old, his room looks a certain way, right? Because he has certain likes and dislikes. My girl's room being a little bit older, they look a little bit different. If we were to go over to, to, to Malachi's room, He's still probably got the pinwheel spinning. He's probably got the rattle still over in the corner, right? There's a different expectation or desire of what that room looks like based upon the maturity of the person. And so therefore, can a baby Christian, can baby Christians build a church? Yeah, to some degree. But all they're going to be able to do is build a church that looks a lot like them, right? Does that make sense? Have you, have you ever, ever saw babies together? You know, our nursery downstairs, you know, they, they, they typically get along. But I've seen uh, uh, babies, you know, they, they see a toy that another baby has. They just reach over there and grab it. They don't care whether they've been playing with it or not. They, if they want it, they just go get it. So they don't necessarily play nice all the time because it's all about them. But then as we begin to grow... 
It's not all about us. It's about others. And so as we as believers begin to grow and mature, and as the maturing of the body of Christ begins to build the church, what ends up happening is that the mature believer begins to bring in the unbeliever and builds up the unbeliever to a mature believer, and then the cycle happens all over again. I've heard it said this way before concerning, like say, our praise and worship on a Sunday morning. Boy, I'd sure like our praise and worship just to, to go for an extended period of time. Man, I remember those days when worship was like an hour long. Oh, how come our church can't be like that? Because we got baby Christians. We got unsaved people coming. Well, how long are they going to be that way? Can't we just move on and grow up and get into a worship service where we can worship for an hour? Isn't that short-sighted? Because once again, that whole statement is all about me and mine. I want it my way. Forgetting that if we're doing the job of a church, we are bringing the baby in. We grow them up. But we don't just stop there. We continue to bring the baby in, grow them up. Get the baby, bring them up. It's building the family. That's how families work. Right? We've gotten to the point, in fact, fact, oh gosh, this was maybe a few months ago. You know, we've got three children uh, a fourth grader, a third grader, and one that's still in preschool. But I've gotten very accustomed to having self-sufficient kids. You know, it's nice not to have to change diapers all the time. It's nice not to have bottles. It's nice to be able to know that they're self-sufficient. And I had a dream just not too long ago that my wife came and said, I'm pregnant. I kid you not, I woke up in a sweat. And I could not go back to sleep because I'm thinking, oh, dear God. No, and I'm, I'm, t- I'm serious. I'm like, God, please, please, in the name of Jesus, don't ever let that happen to me. Why? Because I'm good at where my kids are. And even though Malachi, he's one years old, we just celebrated his birthday. When you guys des- decide to have another baby, what's going to happen? That whole cycle is going to start all over again of changing that little poopy diaper. Oh, we've got to give you a bottle, Right? If we're going to really build a family, and as long as we're building the family, that's always going to be there. Taking care of the babies, growing them up. All right? So, again, as as individuals, we've got a purpose to see beyond ourselves. And, again, if babies are just building the church, then everything around the church is going to be babyish, Right? And so we've got to have a system by which we grow them up. So, can we increase Can we increase? Can we grow? Can we mature? If you remember, we saw here in verse 13, it says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. Now, the perfect man is not speaking of Jesus. It's referring to us. We can come into the unity of faith where we can come into a perfect or the word perfect is mature man. You can actually become and be a mature man and woman of God. It's possible. And that's really God's desire. So what does a perfect man look like? Jesus. That's what a perfect man or woman looks like. Now, I didn't say you're going to necessarily walk on water. I'm talking about the conduct and the way that Jesus carried himself, the way he walked in faith, the way that he trusted his God, the way that he loved people. He was all about people, right? And as we mature into that perfect image or perfect man, we're going to have Christ-like attributes about us that we become like him. 
that we talk like Him, that we think like Him. And for that matter, if that was the body of Christ or if we had a good group of seasoned, matured individuals, there would be a bunch of people that were just so hungry and fired up to see this city won for Jesus. Right? But we get distracted, we get busy, we get busy about our own life. And as a result, we lose sight of what's really important. Once again, because we make it about ourselves. Now, if you remember in verse 14, it says, being no more children. Not being children anymore. So that tells me that if God is saying, come into the mature image or the perfect man, being no more children, then that tells me that God does not want us to stay children. He doesn't want us to stay being spiritually immature, right? In fact, for that matter, when you look at Paul speaking of the church of Corinth, and if you remember, he says, I came to you and I wanted to speak to you as spiritually mature people, but I couldn't. So therefore, I can't give you the meat of the word. I've got to give you the milk of the word. The duration of time was only three years from when he first came. So Paul said, by God's standard, he said, I came back three years later and you should have been spiritually mature. But you're still babies. So that tells me that within a three-year period of time, we as believers ought to be able to come into a place where we're walking with God and we look a whole lot different than when we first got saved. Right? But we think that this life journey, oh, one day I'll get it, one day I'll get it. No, it's just a choice. Let's grow up. Being no more children. Right? You doing all right? All right? So, what are the benefits of growing up. What are the benefits? One is that we're not led astray. Remember the Bible said, we read it there, not being carried away by every wind of doctrine. How many of you have ever noticed that when you were young, you could be easily distracted or led away by outside influences? I can remember that as a kid, as a teenager. In fact, I remember when I was in high school, uh, we were in church, and there was this fellow... <laughs> That was in the youth group. And he was kind of the cool kid. He was kind of the rebel kid. The guy that had the leather coat. And, and, and so he asked me one day. He said, hey, let's go out this, this weekend. I'm like, yeah. Let's go out. I mean, he's older. He's cool. He's asking me to go out. And dad says, no, no, you don't. I said, well, why, dad? I said, man, he's, he's cool. He said, yeah, but I know him. Now, he didn't know him. He just knew him. He knew his type. He says, I, I got his number. He says, I can tell you exactly how he lives his life. I can tell you what kind of kid he is. I'm like, oh, no, Dad. Uh, uh. I mean, I was lying through my teeth. But Dad could see it. Why could Dad see it? Because he could identify spiritual immaturity, right? But I was being enticed by this older, popular, cool kid. And Dad knew that if you get enticed by that guy, if you follow after him, You're going to do the things that he does. And you're going to get yourself swept up into some stuff that you don't want to get swept up into, right? So again, as a maturing individual, we won't be led astray. But notice it says being carried away by every wind of doctrine. It didn't say being carried away by every false doctrine. It has said wind of doctrine. Meaning that there is there are things or there are are, are flows, if you will. 
different ministries have different flows. And not every flow is the flow that God desires you to get involved with. It might not necessarily be a bad flow. It's just he's got a different group he wants to assign you to. You may say, what does that mean? Do you remember when, when Peter and James got imprisoned and they got let go? And once they got let go, the Bible says they, they went back to their own company. And when they got back to their own company, they rallied together. They stuck together and they prayed and God moved mightily. Well, there's something to be said by finding your company of believers. Who's the people that God has assigned you with? And you'll find oftentimes that people, they'll think about or they'll see and hear about all these great things that are happening over here. Well, man, did you hear what's going on down the church, church down the road? Man, it sounds like God's doing some awesome things. Maybe we need to go there. Well, God might be doing some awesome things, but if God's not called you there, don't get out of your place and get carried away by every wind of doctrine. In fact, I've seen people, and there has been times as a pastor where I have had relationships with certain individuals or maybe within the church where you're, you're closer and you have the ability to speak into their life a little more candidly. And there's been times where I've spoken into the life of individuals' lives and said, you know what, you're getting involved with some people you don't need to get involved with. And they're Christian people. And they said to me, well, you know, everything that they're sounding is biblically sound. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. But there's a wrong spirit behind what they're doing. And if you get caught up in what they're doing, even though scripturally it's sound, it will get you off base. And I've seen that individual lose health. I've seen that individual lose financial stability. And much of it can be attributed to not being connected to the right place. Because being connected to the right place helps you grow spiritually. Helps you grow spiritually the way that God designed it for you. Are you tracking with me? Amen. All right, so it says don't be carried away. So when you're not a baby or when you are a baby, it's easily, you're easily able to be enticed by other kinds of individuals. Did you ever notice that when you're an adult, just as I mentioned with my father, adults see things that kids don't see? Come on, have you ever been there? Maybe your parents spoke into your life. Adults have the way, have the ability to see around corners, don't they? Well, as spiritually mature individuals, as you build the body of Christ, you can see around corners that can help those that are underneath of you or less mature than you to help them grow and divert or escape some challenges in their life simply because you're more mature. Does that make sense? You have the ability to help them. Have you ever noticed that people get hurt because they're babies? Right? You know, my, my son, he's only getting ready to turn five here in a couple months. But even being five, there are things that he don't understand. And because he don't understand, he gets hurt. Maybe he gets hurt feelings or whatever. Or maybe he gets tired. And because he gets tired, he gets a little temperamental. And so because he gets temperamental, he don't understand something. And because of that, he gets hurt. His feelings get hurt. He starts pouting. You don't love me anymore. His famous line, I don't know where he got this from. But when, when, he, when he don't like something you say, 
you're out of the family. <laughs> I, I have no idea where he got that. But sometimes it just cracks you up. You're out of the family. Like, well, why? <laughs> because he's immature, right? And so once again, spiritual babies can get hurt. You doing all right? All right, turn to your neighbor. Tell him, grow up. Tell him, quit being a baby. All right. Now, if that bothered you that they told you to grow up, then that just gives you a sign that you're a baby. (laughs) All right. So when you're spiritually immature, it's real easy to be deceived, too. When you're spiritually immature, it's easy to deceive yourself and be deceived by others. And when you think about growing up spiritually, it's much like in the same manner of growing up naturally speaking. Think about it. When you're, when you're younger, uh, many of us are at the age where we don't like the next number that's coming up. I mean, my next milestone is 50. I can't believe that. I mean, that just means my parents are really old. That's all that means. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't round off numbers anymore. But do you remember there was a time in your life when you were younger and you didn't like the number that you were at? And you might be like 12 and a half. And so therefore, when somebody asks you how old you were, because you thought of yourself being more mature or older, you would say, I'm almost 13. Right? We do that spiritually. And what I mean by that is we oftentimes if not all the times, think that we're more spiritually mature than we are. We give ourselves a whole lot more credit than really identifying where we're at spiritually. So if you was to identify yourself, just for the moment, just thinking to yourself, what would you say that you are? Would you say that you're a baby? Would you say that you're a toddler? Would you say that you're an adolescent? Would you say that you're a teenager? Or would you say that you're a mature individual? As a Christian, what would you identify yourself? Did you get it? Did you pick a number in your head? Yeah? All right, now just back it up one. That's probably what you really are. <laughs> Again, it's one of those things where we tend to think of ourselves as being more mature than what we really are. And so, obviously, we need to grow up. And many times, many times there's confusion that comes with our spiritual maturity because oftentimes what happens is we have babies that are living in adult bodies. You know what I mean by that? What I mean is is that there are people that will say, well, I've been in church for 40 years. I've been raised in church. I'm 65 years old and I've been in church all my life. And so because we've been in church, we think that we're more mature than we are. Being in church does does not identify your spiritual maturity. You might be 65 years old of age, but you can still be a baby. Well, I've been in church all my life. No, it don't matter. It don't matter if you've been in church all your life. What have you done to grow spiritually, to develop? In fact, for that matter, I'd like to ask you this. What have you done in the body of Christ? What's your purpose? If you can't answer your purpose, if you don't know what your calling is and what God's called you to in the body of Christ then you're a baby. Because somebody that's matured, somebody that's growing, can answer that question. 
And so again, it doesn't matter whether we've been in church all of our life or not. And again, we sometimes can be deceived by that simply because we got babies living in adult bodies. Amen? Amen. Man, it is. Are we, are we in a Methodist church tonight? All right, just. <laughs> all right. It's kind of somber in here. All right, turn to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 1. So let's begin to identify some things. And again, we'll kind of conclude with this, and then we'll pick up from here in the next few weeks as we talk about growing up spiritually. In Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own flesh or his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things, uh, things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity or it's separation or it's divided against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's a very strong statement. Those that live. Now again, this is talking about believers. You can be a Christian, but you can live a carnal life. And the Bible says that if you live according to the flesh, you can't please God. And then verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. So the Bible tells us that there is a division of who we really are. There's the spirit, what you, what you really are, and it lives in this physical body. But this physical body wants to live its own way. It wants to have its own lifestyle. It wants to have its own, it's scratched, if you will. And there's always this conflict between our flesh and our spirit, right? Have you ever noticed that? Sure. You know, you're watching TV and all of a sudden, you know, you feel like, man, God's just stirring me to go pray right now. Okay, God, let me just watch one more half hour program. Have you ever done that? No, you've never done that. You're just too spiritually mature for that. <laughs> no, there's always a constant battle and a constant struggle. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in the weeks ahead. But once again, there's this great misunderstanding of spiritual maturity. Because again, we see this conflict show up in the natural, or in the flesh, if you will, in church, and we deem it as something else. In fact, this is, as a pastor, here's red flags of spiritual babies. And I'm sure you've seen it and heard it before. People come into church, and they'll say... We have been searching all over for a church. 
I mean, we've went to 25 churches and we just can't find a church that meets our spiritual needs. Well, there's a common denominator there. You. And so that tells me that if you've not found a church to begin to help you grow, to help mature you, then you're a baby. Or have you ever heard this before? Um, man, we love your church, but it's just not deep enough. We like the deep things of God. We just like deep teaching. The elementary teachings of God's word are about as deep as you can go. Once you establish them, that's when God really takes you to somewhere else. But it's all built upon the elementary things. Amen? In fact, I love this one. I've heard people say this. In fact, I was just talking to somebody uh, just a few weeks ago. I was asking them how they're doing in their church. And they said, well, we're kind of struggling. Um, you know, there's, a, there's been a changeover of the pastor. And so the direction of the church is different. And so we're just really kind of struggling with the direction of the church. And in fact, you know, we just haven't been able to find a church like what we used to have. And I said, well, what was the difference? Well, you know, when we came and we had praise and worship... And we'd have praise and worship for like an hour, an hour and a half, where we would just soak in the presence of God. I thought to myself, an hour and a half praise and worship? I mean, I love Jacqueline and Jordan and what they do, but give me a break. I don't want to go to church and sing for an hour and a half. Praise the Lord. I mean, would it be good? Sure. But I don't have to fill my spiritual tank Sunday morning to carry me for the rest of the week. You see, I worship God throughout the week. I don't need to get my fill on Sunday morning. Right? And for that matter, who wants to sit there for an hour and a half? Listen, I know you're not doing that at your house. You're not praying and worshiping God for an hour and a half every day. So don't tell me you're so spiritual. that Oh, man, I just love it when I come in here. And then on top of that, then I'm going to preach the word for another hour and a half, two hours. Baloney. Again, it might scratch and itch and it might make you feel like you're more spiritual. But that's a bunch of hogwash. And for that matter, you're not going to invite any lost person, or at least not in your right mind. Hey, you just got sober. You just, you know, you, you just got let out of prison. Let me invite you to church. Come on over here. Oh, by the way, our praise and worship's an hour and a half. Then they take up offering. That's 30 minutes. And then they preach for about an hour and a half. It's going to be an all-day thing here. Who's going to want to go to a church service like that? Now, again, I realize that, that that rubs our religious bone a little bit. But if you're saying, well, I like church that way. Babies always do. Babies always like it their way. And are not aware of the surroundings of whoever else is around. Right? And my, you may not like that or not, but that's the truth, regardless. <laughs> Amen? All right. Oh, I love this one. Again, I'll, I'll finish with this one. People come into church, and you ask them, how you been doing? And, or, or what's going on? Well, you know, I've just been searching for a new church, or whatever the case might be. And say, really? Yeah, we've just been resting. We're, we're resting. Oh, yeah, yeah, we were involved in ministry for a lot of years, but we're just resting. Really? Resting. Yeah, we're just resting because we've, we just, we've been so involved in ministry. Well, listen, if you're still resting after a year, two years, three years, five years, ten years, 
you're not in the will of God. In fact, God never told you to rest. He says there's a Sabbath day, rest. But when it comes about the body of Christ, again, I'm resting, I'm spiritually mature, I'm just getting, getting my spiritual tank filled up so that I can be full and to serve God to the best of my ability because God's called me to do some great things. Praise the Lord, Shundai. Listen, the body of Christ that is mature is doing the work of ministry. Amen? Are you hearing me the right way? I mean, there are times where we just need to, because of things of life, you need to take a rest to get things prioritized and where they need to be. But that doesn't mean stay idle forever. And if you're idle for a long time, then you've slipped back. You become a baby again. Well, get your thumb out of your mouth and let's get working. Let's start growing up. Amen. Well, let's pray before we get stoned or something this evening. (laughs) Amen. All right. Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that God in growing up spiritually, God, we, that means that we can hear some of the challenging things because growing up spiritually means that we're ready to allow ourselves to be stretched. We're allowing ourselves to grow. And so God we thank you. We all desire to grow up spiritually. And we thank you that you're doing that. In Jesus name. Amen. Subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.